the ability to really want to see and hear people for who they are and and I think a lot of times you know when we look back at our 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 shame and what we've been through if it doesn't kill us it makes us stronger you know that that really is the cliche and and I believe that so much and and if we unshame correctly it leaves us with so much beauty and, and so many wonderful qualities and, and characteristics. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Program Life Podcast, where we want our listeners, guests, and myself to learn something new. Every week, I bring in a guest who has a passion for topics related to productivity or mental health. And our guest on this episode today is Jor Gonzalez, who is a storyteller and a Indian-American raised Catholic. In this episode, me and Jor discuss about how to unshame yourself, what triggers shame, important lessons that he has learned over his experience in interviewing guests on his podcast and ways that shame can help us grow. So real quick, before this episode starts, I took a week off to prepare more content for you guys as I'm now going to be uploading every week on Thursday morning EST as well as prepare out more content for my blog and email newsletter on my website. If you want my key takeaways and show notes as well for this episode, head over to my website which is programlife.org. If it's your first time hearing this, please head over and click that subscribe or follow button right now on whichever platform you're using to listen to this so that you can be notified of all the great content that I provide you guys. And also take your time to leave me a rating and review telling me what you liked about this episode the most. You can also follow me on Instagram, yogeshprabhu2 which is Y-O-G-E-S-H-P-R-A-B-H-U and my Twitter at YogeshPrabhu03. So that's enough plug-in for me. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right. So Jor, I'm really excited to have you on the show as uh, you're, you're the host of a very uh, popular podcast called Unshaming. And I loved listening to your podcast and you've really brought out like the hidden sides um, of unique people. And some of my favorites were The Shame of Failure and The Shame of Regret. Those two episodes were amazing. And if you guys want to, you know, check out um, Joe's podcast below, I'll just put in the, the link in the description as well in the show notes and key takeaways on my website. So before I get into these questions that I have for you today, I would like to first thank you for coming on to the show, Jor. Well, thank you so much for having me and, and thanks for those really kind words. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So you've talked with like numerous people on your on your podcast and um they have told your your interviewees have told shame stories related to how um how they are ashamed of some specific topic. And the thing I noticed is that their stories suggest that um, a seemingly minor comment to one person can cause like a significant prolonged shame in another. And it kind of like um, tides titles into like this kind of void that they fall into. So what do you think about this? It's a really interesting observation because I actually have not 
observed that as as much as I'm I'm the host of Unchaining, I'm very much a listener as well. So it's a really interesting observation. And it's very true. And when I think about that and apply it to my own life, a very, very, very particular memory comes to mind. I remember when I was in the second grade, so I had to have been like about seven years old. And I am gay now, but I didn't know that when I was seven years old. But I think when you're that age, like kids can just like smell it on you. Mm -hmm. Um, They can just, kids have this sixth sense of just picking out whatever the difference, the unique difference in you is at such an early age. And I remember I was playing on the jungle gym during recess and a little boy came up to me and he said, no gay people allowed. You have to leave. And Mm -hmm. although it was only maybe for 30 seconds and he didn't remember it, you know, probably for the rest of his life, I think for me, that one comment was the beginning of me unconsciously and subconscious, subconsciously and consciously forming a narrative in my own head that it was not okay to be gay. Gay people are not wanted. They're not loved. They're not, they're not permitted to exist in, in spaces with everyone else. And mm-hmm. that really was uh, sort of the, the foundation of a lot of my own shame that I carried for years before, before coming out. So it's a very interesting question. And I think it happens more often than not that, many of us are are our shames are sort of triggered by or rather built by a few words and usually from a very early age yeah and i think like one of my friends he recently like i was recently just talking to one of my best friends and he a quote that he he came up with was the only reason why people talk behind your back is because you're in front of them like that kind of that kind of changed my perspective on that people sometimes just try to make fun of you or they just try to make fun of you of who you are maybe say to your face or maybe talk behind your back but that's just because um in some way you're in front of them or they're you know it's caused of jealousy sometimes and i would like to also ask how can we better like police ourselves for language and treatment that may inadvertently or internationally cause shame in others, you know? I think it's an ongoing thing. I think that for me personally, it has really started with my own unshaming journey and doing the work and the labor of going into my memories and picking out these moments these very small moments and and really understanding the impact of them on my life, whether it was from friends or family or or even people that I didn't know, like that little boy. And for me, I think having that empathy for other people because it's happened to me has really been what has given me the ability to create more space for people and, Mm -hmm. and ask how I can make people feel 
comfortable and realize that, you know, because all of these people in my life and, you know, by the way, Yogesh, for you and, and your listeners, I really believe that shame is a universal experience. Yeah. No matter what people say, I think every single person experiences shame in one way or not or another at some point in their life. And so really diving into my own shame story has given me the empathy to want to make other people feel comfortable and, and, and simply just ask, you know, um, how do you want to be seen and how do you want to be heard? Yeah. And I guess I also want to delve into like the kind of events that trigger shame and the kind of situations that can actually trigger it. Like sometimes it's just like, as you said, those short 30 seconds and those short words that can just immediately trigger it. But are there any other kinds of situations, do you think, from what you've learned from your podcast? I think it really depends on the person and and sort of what their shame is. I think for me, sometimes I am currently going through the process as, and I stand in solidarity with most people. I am trying to unshame my body image and I think as a as a man, it's something that we don't often talk about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I um I I do feel pressure to sometimes look a certain way and and uh, have muscles in the right area and and little fat in in other areas, right? So I think sometimes for me, moments where I have to literally have my clothes off can sometimes be like, I guess triggering is the right word. Sometimes that word feels a little bit intense, but I think that is the right word. You know, when I Mm -hmm. have to take my clothes off on the beach or even when I'm intimate with a partner, it really forces me to confront these very real insecurities that I have about my own body. And I actually just had someone on the show um, who is talking about male body image. And Mm. one of the things he mentioned is I stand in the mirror in the nude, just Mm. raw for a couple of moments and have this intimate moment with myself and just check in. And I spend time really thinking about the parts of my body that I love. And so I think to answer your question, it can be many different moments and it depends on sort of what that person's shame is, but it really is, I think, intense, you you know, because it, it sort of forces you to confront these very internalized feelings that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like everyone's different in this world. And I've also done some kind of research into a shame um, resilient culture, which is um, where people can openly and authentically engage with their shame experiences in a way that promotes individual healing and group belonging, which is what I would think we would like. And what do we need to do to develop this shame resilient culture? Yeah, I think that it really begins at the individual level. I think 
the opposite of shame in my own research, and, and I want to be super, super clear, I'm not a shame expert, but more so a student. And that's really why I started the show was because I wanted to learn along with my listeners from the different guests that come on the show, how do we unshame ourselves? Mm-hmm. And so I think the process of creating a shame resilient culture is really individually driven. I think it begins with understanding, like I mentioned, and what I consider to be the opposite of shame is belonging. So how do I belong? And I think it starts with really radical acceptance of yourself. And so I check in with myself every once in a while and and just make sure that I feel at home in my mind and in my soul and in my body. And tactically speaking, that looks like many different things. That looks like me sort of analyzing different actions that I've taken um, in that point of time that may have been shame triggering in some ways, may have been uh, me overcompensating in other ways to sort of compensate for maybe some internalized inferiority that I feel. But having that moment to really check in and make sure that I feel at home in who I am is what I believe to be the beginning of a shame resilient culture. It, it really is a lot of individual work, I think, that sort of culminates into a whole culture. Yeah, and I guess that's like almost the topic of acceptance and uh, belonging, as you said. And I guess now we've kind of spent like a lot of time, you know, discussing the negative kind of aspects of shame. So are there any like any shame experiences that can help us grow like what is required for growth to occur following a shame reaction? Well, that's really what unshaming is all about. And it it is about the fact that we can transform our pain and our, our suffering into something beautiful and something worthwhile. And I'm so inspired by every single person that comes on the show because that is what the show is all about. It it is about the fact that when you take shame and you unshame it, it really turns into growth. And like I mentioned, I think a lot of that has to do with accepting ourselves not only for who we are, but for where we are in the present moment and, and really understanding that the present moment is the only moment that exists. And that is something that has always been a little bit difficult for me and something that I continue to work on, but absolutely something that is so integral to unshaming and really transforming a lot of that pain into growth. I actually have a favorite quote by Elizabeth Gilbert. She's uh, the author of Eat, Pray, Love. And what she says is basically suffering without catharsis is wasted pain. 
And if we don't transform our pain, then it was for nothing. And as I look back at my own experiences of sort of being that outsider kid who didn't really belong anywhere, it has given me so many amazing qualities. It has given me the ability to really want to see and hear people for who they are. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, when we look back at our, our, our shame and what we've been through, if it doesn't kill us, it makes us stronger. You know, that, that really Mm. is the cliche. And, and I believe that so much. And, and if we unshame correctly, it leaves us with so much beauty and and so many wonderful qualities and and characteristics. Yeah. And it kind of relates to like the, like one of my favorite, like philosophies of a life in general is stoicism. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's the basic idea of stoicism is basically um, when it, when we're disturbed or when the situation disturbs us, we always should think on what, we can control and what we can't control. So there's always things that we can't control, like um, we can't control the future and we can't control what's already happened. So what we can control is like at the present moment. And that's kind of like also the main idea of stoicism. And I really agree with you on that. And I also wanted to ask you in, in some working and learning environments, there people are not really like, able to openly talk about shame sometimes and um they are kind it's kind of hard to let out these emotions so what do you think allows people to openly talk about it and what prevents people from openly talking about it i would say that the tide is turning a little bit i had worked in tech for 3 years and and you know tech is a very progressive industry and we were starting to have really amazing conversations around around these very important topics and so i think the culture is changing but absolutely to a certain point there does exist taboos right mm-hmm. and i think in a lot of ways i d- i don't know if it's maybe everyone's business to understand what we're unshaming um, on an individual level, but I think having the space to maybe discuss that, um, yeah, it, it certainly doesn't hurt anyone. And I think it boils down to courage. I think it boils down to having the courage to, when you feel it's appropriate to open up to someone, when you feel like this information is really important for this other person to truly know who I am. I think it really boils down to having the bravery to tell them who you are and what you are working on and and what you're unshaming or what you're trying to unshame. And it also is the other part of that is having a culture where, where we feel really open to receiving this kind of information that one's a little bit harder but i think i'm very hopeful because i think with our generation it is changing and and the tide is turning and 
I think people are becoming more open about what they are struggling with or what they have struggled with. And inversely, becoming more open about informing people like what we said earlier. So many of my characteristics that I am proud of are actually derived from a place that was a little bit dark to begin with. Yeah. And I guess now moving on to the topic of going back to your, to your podcast, could you explain us one important lesson from any one of your episodes on your podcast? Mm, So many. (laughs) I think my biggest takeaway is that everyone is just looking for belonging. You know, everyone wants to feel like they are a part of something bigger than themselves because that connection gives us the feeling that we matter and that Mm. we are worthy of being loved. And, Mm. you know, when I, I sort of look at my world as like pre unshaming, post unshaming. And I, I know that sounds so corny, but like I mentioned, I, I really am listening to my own show at the same time as the, the listeners are. And mm. it's, it's given me this sort of vision that everyone just wants to be seen and wants to be heard. And as I have started to um, wear that, that vision in my, in my life, I, I found my relationships with people to be so much more authentic and so much more intimate because, because there's that foundation of, of wanting the other person to feel like they can be authentically themselves in my presence. And I think that that would be the biggest lesson that I've learned. Everyone is just looking to be seen and heard and looking to be a part of something that's, that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. So when you learned this lesson, how was your, how was your life before learning it and after learning it? How did it transform you and how have you put it into practice if you did? I think it's made me a lot more empathetic to Mm. everyone around me. And it makes sense because, you know, as, as we sort of, as we sort of watch all of these really wonderful movements unfold in our, in our generation, right. Um, Around race, gender, and class, Mm -hmm. it boils down to that, that, that same principle. I just want to be seen. I just want to be heard. I just want to feel like I belong in the society. And it's, it's so completely understandable. And I think in many ways it's, it's made me, 
it's made my friendships a lot stronger. It's made my relationships a lot stronger with, with my family and with my friends. And it's given me an outlook on life um, that everyone deserves to take up the space that they occupy um, mm. in, in the world. And so in terms of the show, it's so inspiring for me because each episode is really a different form of shame that we explore on the show. So there's shame of HIV status. There's shame of being medicated for mental illness. There's shame of alcoholism. And essentially it's, it's all of these different topics that we may think are seemingly very different from one another. And and each story is very different from one another, but the, the common thread is that everyone just wants to feel like they belong in society. Mm. So, and and that even goes, uh, you know, back to my own personal story as well. When I came out to my friends and family, it was almost a relief. I think there, there certainly was many, many months of kind of rockiness with my, family but once i sort of got to the other end of that i remember i was um i went on this backpacking trip to india it was the first time that i'd been there since i was a little kid actually mm. i'd just come out it was my senior year of college and i was sitting across the table from my cousin who is my age and i told him that i was gay and and he said you know jordan i'm so happy for you but I'm not so sure that India will be. Mm. And in that moment, I realized, although I had worn my shame my whole life on my shoulders, like a really heavy coat, I realized that it was never mine. And it didn't belong to me. It belonged to everyone else who had projected it onto me. It belonged to Mm. my society, to my religion, to my conservative community that I grew up in. And once I had kind of freed myself of that shame, I really began to understand that I did in fact belong and I was worthy of being seen and heard. And the common thread between all of the episodes on the show is that all of these episodes, all of these episodes contain very vividly different stories, but the ultimate realization is somewhat the same. Mm, yeah. And I guess in some, like going back to some of my favorite episodes, like the shame of failure, um, you touch on the topic of perfectionism and being shameful because you're not perfect right now. And we always make like an image, kind of like an image of ourselves that is very vague and kind of impossible to reach. But we, for some reason, get disappointed and unsatisfaction and ashamed when we don't reach it. So from that episode and the takeaways from that episode, do you have any tips or advice for the people like me personally that are going through this kind of season of perfectionism? 
Well, I actually heard this from a friend and I, I really relate to this a lot. I consider myself to be a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and basically what that means is that it's still in my bones. I think if you kind of uh, you know opened up my back, you'd see perfection kind of all all in my blood cells. Um, <laughs> what I mean by that is I feel like it's in my DNA, but yeah. I work to kind of fight against it. And what's been really helpful for me is understanding that it's all an illusion. The idea of being perfect is is such a farce. And I've spent so much of my life chasing after that idealism um, and that ideal of perfection to kind of overcompensate perhaps for things that I considered would never be perfect about myself. When I had come out, although I had sort of I'd spent so much of my life believing that I was inferior because I was gay. And when I came out, although I didn't really think that being gay is what made me inferior, I still felt inferior because I had internalized that inferiority for so long. And I had overcompensated in so many other ways to make up for what I believed about myself would be imperfect. I, I was trying to get the best grades in school and graduate at the top of my class in college and get the very best job graduating out of college and like go to the gym for hours every week trying to get the perfect body. I wanted the perfect body, the perfect job, the perfect grades. I wanted all of that to be so perfect because Deep down, I believed that I was fundamentally imperfect as a person. Mm. And that mentality really started to shift for me when I became critical of what perfectionism is. And when I really started to understand that it doesn't exist, I began to unlock the possibilities of life and the gifts that come with imperfection, the true love that you encounter, not only with romantic partners, but with friends and family, when you really are, when it, it's really based in a foundation of vulnerability. Like here I am with my flaws, with my imperfections. This is who I am. And when you meet other people who accept you for who you are in the present moment, the only moment that exists, something magical happens. It's like, wow, these are my people. This is my tribe. Mm -hmm. And you waste so much less time on people who are going to reject you because you don't have to hide yourself from anyone. And so that's been... That's been my experiences with perfectionism, realizing that it doesn't actually exist and and leaning into those parts of myself that I always thought were imperfect, now sort of celebrating them, not only with myself, but but with people I love as well. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's almost like being grateful for like what you already have and what you already are. And um, I guess another episode that I mentioned at the start was the, the on your podcast was the shame of regret, and it's also one of my favorite episodes. Could you delve deeper into why regret is also important in leading a productive life and? What you learned from interviewing Shenny, and for the people who don't know who Shenny is, just a overall brief um, bio of her is that she's a poet, actress, and activist. Um, and if you want to check out that episode, I'll put that link in the description as well. So, Jorb, what 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 did you learn from interviewing her? Oh my God, so much! So Shenny and I actually went to college together, mm. and. We were sort of acquaintances in college, but it's funny. I always am very, very particular about, you know, now I think the the term gets thrown around so much. People will say, oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'm very particular not to say that to people I don't mean that to. And sometimes mm. it can be a little bit awkward, <laughs> but yeah. I remember even though Shetty and I were sort of acquaintances in college. I would say that to her and would literally mean it. And I didn't even know her all that well, but there was something about her energy and her vibe and our connection that just was in sync from, from the moment that I met her. And we sort of fell out of contact for a couple of years after I graduated from college. And one night I was about to go to sleep and something in me woke me up and I said, Oh my God, I have to have Shenny on the show. And I haven't spoken to her in a couple of years, but I know that whatever she has to say, I didn't even know what she was going to say. I didn't have anything in mind, but I just knew that whatever she was going to say was going to touch so many people and, and change a lot of minds and lives and hearts and so it's it's so amazing that you are saying that the episode really touched you. And, and I've gotten that feedback from a lot of people with this episode mm-hmm. in particular because she's just such a powerful person with, with such an amazing voice. So I definitely recommend uh, you know people check that episode out. I, I frequently go back to listen to it when when I'm feeling the power of regret. And um, you know, basically to kind of to kind of recap a little bit of the the goodies of that episode, we live in a culture that is all about no regrets, no regrets, no regrets, no regrets, hashtag no regrets. And mm. what that does is it prevents us from sitting with ourselves and doing the hard work of saying, I made a mistake. I did that incorrectly and I feel really bad about it. And I wish that I could do it over again and make it right. It prevents us from having that really intimate and important moment with ourselves and, and really holding ourselves accountable to doing better the next time. And Mm. the shame of regret and unshaming regret basically boils down to two parts the first is having that reflection, having the humility to admit 
that I am wrong or I was wrong. And part two is holding myself accountable to making it right when life presents me with the same opportunity the next time. Mm. And I find that that lesson is so applicable to every single form of regret that possibly exists. And I think for me, um, I remember when I was in college and I was attaching all of my self-worth into finding a job. Mm. And I remember you can only imagine like how much anxiety that, that could possibly produce. And till this day, I think I still kind of regret the way that I treated myself at that point in time. I think I wish I could go back and, and sort of tell myself you're going to be okay. and You don't deserve to put all this pressure on yourself. Mm. But when I realized that, you know, you can't go back, but that life will always present you with a new opportunity to make your actions right. Yeah. I think about that a lot. And I think, you know, now when I'm presented with an opportunity to search for a new job, I, I, I think about things a lot differently based off of, the lessons that I learned from that moment in time. And that episode really, you know, from, from dating to job searches to maybe losing a loved one and, and regretting not being there for them enough in that moment, or, or maybe being in the episode, Shenny talks about what it means to actually be the toxic partner in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's just such an intimate and raw conversation that we're called into with ourselves by admitting that we have some sort of regret and it it's a whole nother level of the human experience when you decide to hold yourself accountable to doing better the next time mm-hmm. and i think yeah. that that that's the major takeaway of that episode yeah definitely and Just to wrap this episode up, I would like to ask you one last question. And like I always do at the end of each episode, I always relate it to the to the topic back to like my favorite quote of mine. And this quote is from a Stoic philosopher. And um, as I said before, Stoicism is like one of my favorite philosophies of life. And I want to know your opinion on this quote, which links to the topic that we talked about today, which is the art of unshaming. And the quote goes, it is not the actions of others which trouble us, but rather it is our own judgments. Therefore, remove those judgments and resolve to let go of your anger, and it will already be gone. How do you let go? By realizing that such actions are not shameful to you. By Marcus Aurelius. So what is your opinion on this quote, Jora, and how does it apply to your life and the work that you do? I really love that quote. And I think the first thing that comes to my mind is owning our stories for what they are and for the truth that they objectively present in our lives. Realizing that, you know, 
who we are and what we've done, you know, may not be perfect, but they are a part of our stories. And we have to carry our stories from now until the moment that, you know, they close that casket. And I think for me, really leaning into who I am, owning my story and and what i mean by that is is all of the different components of my life parts that i'm proud of parts that i'm not proud of that is my story and really laying that out for people has been for me realizing my own freedom mm-hmm. realizing that when i accept myself for who i am unequivocally and radically i take away the need for me to be accepted by other people and that self acceptance that ownership of my story that unequivocal ownership of my story has brought me what i feel like is is the ultimate freedom in my life because not only am i at home in my mind and in my body and in my soul but i have attracted people in my life and other others in my life who also accept me for who i am because my tolerance for not accepting me for who i am just doesn't exist and so going back to that quote when we liberate ourselves of our own internal judgment we free up so much space for other people to love us for who we are because we have already done that work yeah and i guess like a way i like to put it is that shame has its purpose yet you do, you should not let it like define your existence and i think that's a really important lesson that um i know all all the listeners sh- should take away and i would just like to thank you again jor for coming on to this podcast like i genuinely thank you so much for coming on well the pleasure um is all mine thank you for having me.